0: Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Today we read the gospel from the first from the from chapter six of the Gospel of St. Matthew. And we sort of see that the theme of today's gospel is secrecy in our spiritual lives, the secret relationship between us and God. It says don't do your don't do charitable deeds where others will see you. Don't let your even even your left hand to know what your right hand is doing, to keep your deeds away even from your own memory. When you pray, don't let others to see or to hear you. And when you fast, not to give any indication that you're malnourished or that you are weak, but to wash your face even if you have to. And so, um, it sort of makes us feel, um, it can sort of make us feel confused. Because then it's, that all any good deed or anything that I have done as part of my relationship with God that is not accounted for if someone has seen it or has has if it's been exposed to others. And certainly it's, it's not true because Christ, he does say even in the previous chapter, he said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. But every relationship has the exposed side And then there's the secret side. Not necessarily in a negative way, that there's the secret or the hidden, but there is the vulnerable side. There is the unexposed, there is the the secret side of every person in every relationship. And many times, this particular part of the relationship, this secret or vulnerable part of the relationship, is what sort of gives measure to the relationship as a whole. If um, If whatever is... Is not done, or whatever is done outwardly or openly, and isn't done in secret, uh, begs the question if this person really cares about me or not. So, if whatever the person does openly, for example, whether it's a spouse or a friend, um, if what if they. Whatever they do openly, if they also do it in secret, then it gives me confidence that this person truly cares about me. It it measures the genuineness of that person and of that relationship relationship. Of course, sometimes when we when we think about the things that the vulnerable side of us, sometimes the things that are in secret are harder to do. And it's not not just in our relationship with with God, but even among each other. Um, it is many times challenging for even spouses or families, parents with their children, to be fully engaged with each other in genuine conversation and to have patience for each other all the time. Sometimes when you're at home, there's just this, you just want to relax You come home from work, you don't want anyone to talk to you. Your kids go to your room, do something else. And so, but when they're among their friends and you're in a group of people, then you, you're happy with your kids because you're like, they're not really bothered either dealing with the other kids. And so it, it, it sometimes can be very hard for us. And so God knows that, he, 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 that we may not do it perfectly. Sorry, I don't know why I'm stuttering a lot today. But um, we may not do it perfectly, but when we're trying with genuineness, it's an expression to God that we are responding to Him that we are participating in a, in a dialogue with him. Um, in secret, God gives to each and every single one of us in very different, in different ways, despite what we might think on the surface. He speaks to us. He works in us in secret. There are things with you that God has done with you and even if you were to ever try to explain it, what, what has, what God has revealed to you, to you, or how God has worked in your life, only in many, most of the cases, only you will ever really know. And even if you try to express that to anyone else, they may say, "Okay, good, good for you," or like, "I think you're overanalyzing," or whatever the case might be. But you know that this was the work of God. And it is done in secret and it is meant for you. In the same way, God seeks the genuine side of us that we don't offer to anyone else, but that we offer just to Him. Even, even as individuals. Sometimes, yes, we, we, we try hard to, to, um, to do spiritual things with our family as a whole, but they But sometimes we we have to become so vulnerable that it's just us. And it's just me and God. And what goes on between me and God is secret. So as we begin, of course, the great fast, we tend to have certain goals, you might say, to enrich our relationship with God. And we do this in all relationships that we care about, right? I mean, whether it's the new year, or if it's your anniversary, or if you're... birthday sometimes there's these milestones that you reach in the year and you say you know what I'm motivated to to do this. I noticed that my, my child wants me to, to spend more time with them so I'm I'm really willing to do that. Or my spouse really wants to see you know uh you know feels this and so I'm gonna try and do this. We always try to do this with our relationships and in the same in the same manner we we do this in our relationship with God too and we tend to use Lent as sort of this um, motivator. And so, one of the things that, of course, uh, there are many aspects of every relationship, but one of the greatest and most important aspects of every relationship is communication. And in the context of our relationship with God, this is prayer. I believe now I'm the last one to speak about prayer, but I hope that that through even the teachings of, I'll quote uh, St. Isaac the Syrian, uh, through his teaching, I may mean we all learn how to use uh, Lent as a motivation to increase our prayer, to, to become more genuine in our prayer. And so just like any relationship, we know that this is one of the greatest uh, pieces. And many of us know the the famous saying of, of St. Pope Paul, where he says that there are no good days or bad days, but there are days with prayer and days without prayer. Our life among each other, with each other, is is about communication, engaging with each other. And the same thing is with, with God, no difference. It's good for us to struggle in prayer, especially during Lent, so that when Holy Week comes, we don't feel like we see the Lord on the cross and we say, I didn't really even get to know you. Lent is such a, an amazing time, and, and it's on purpose that... We end with with Holy Week because we are we are preparing ourselves for that day. And if I'm not engaged with him during Lent, I may just stand before him and say, "This is it looks sad, it looks sad, and it hurts." But but there isn't really any uh, any feeling that this is for me. Again, just like in our own relationships, if we don't if if our communication among each other is not very good, then when someone does does a good sacrificial deed or sacrificial Gesture, we may not even see it, and be completely blind of it. When it comes to prayer, there are different types of prayer. Of course, there's communal prayer, but today I want to reflect on the types of prayer that can be done in secret. And as I was choosing a few points, I normally think that like um, acronyms would be lame to use, but I just decided. But then it was supposed to be Psalm. But I couldn't, like, I didn't have a word for L. So today's psalm is going to be spelled P S A N. Okay? So the first one is Psalms and, and the psalmist. The Psalms, as we know, are, are written by King David. And he is a prophet, he is a king, he is a sinner, he is a man who experienced sadness and happiness and anger and resentment and doubt and confusion. He is everything that we experience. And he is everything that we are. Because we say in the liturgy, and I I think I mentioned this before, when we say you have not abandoned us to the end, but you have always visited us through your holy prophets. So King David, at the time, the prophets were given the grace of the Holy Spirit to inspire the people. And so we could say that, yes, he he is an anointed. But after the Lord Christ in his economy of salvation, he give gave all of us the Holy Spirit. So, he has the Holy Spirit, we have the Holy Spirit, and everything that he experiences, we experience. Not only that, but how how did, just because King David wrote the song, what do you do, what does that even mean? But we, we read in, in Acts, and when he had um, removed him, he said, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony, and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So despite all of the, all of the, the different feelings that David expresses, and all of the sins that David has, has committed, that the Lord recognizes that he is after my own heart. The Psalms are not something that we just recite, but they are prayers that become our own. In Christianity and in prayer, there is no plagiarism. In prayer. In Christianity, there is no plagiarism. But but in prayer, there is no plagiarism. And so the prayers become part of us. They become our words. Why? Because we are King David. We are just like King David. And even we use the Lord's prayers. And the Lord, he said, In this manner, say, Our Father who art in heaven. Sometimes we say, "Well, the psalm is like it's like you know recitative prayers. We're just reciting something, or that it's something that's sort of pre-written." And then he says, "He says that the Pharisees pray saying the same like the same word, but he's giving us like words, pre-meditated words. It's about again the genuineness of our heart, but we use it. Um, we use the words of David. We use the words of Christ as." As our own prayers. So, why are some of the recitative prayers like the psalms so important for us? It's because over time we start to even memorize some of these things. Not just from the psalms, but even in the liturgy, which a lot of it comes from the psalms, or in the psalmody, a lot of it comes from the psalms. And it's so it's nice for us because sometimes we don't have anything to say. You know, whenever you're you're with your family, you're talking to them all the time, and you have conversation or let's say that you're about to meet up with someone a friend of yours and you're like you know i don't really have anything to talk about today or like i know that i'm about to meet up with this person and it's just gonna be awkward sometimes you don't have anything to say but then you're like okay i can talk about the weather i could i could talk about like can you leave these gas prices you know right there's there's certain conversations that you kind of put in your in your back pocket to like in those situations if I talk about weather, by the way, it's not that I don't want to talk to you. It's, sometimes it is genuine. You generally want to have a conversation and discussion, but you just need help getting some of the conversation going. So sometimes you, you could be walking out to get the mail, and you say, "Graciously, O oh Lord, to keep us this night without keep me, with the Lord, this this night without sin," or to say that you have not abandoned us to, end, to the end, but you have always visited us. You have always visited me. These little these things that we take from the Psalms from the liturgy are when we sometimes feel like God, I don't even know what really to say. But it's 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 inside. We have it. We could carry the Igbay or look up a song even on the phone while I'm walking, or while I'm I'm in the car, I can play uh, you know the Psalms and pray and pray them. The next one is silence and stillness, which, of course, I probably have the most difficulty with. Is um, in many different apostolic traditions, they we they can call silence and stillness differently or practice it differently, but the essence is the same: the same, which is to spend silent time with God. And it's very hard because if you find your, you might find yourself sitting in your living room on the couch, and for like 10 seconds, and then you see like an icon or like a cross, and you're like, okay, I I wanna say a prayer. And then like 10 seconds later, you're like, let me, I forgot to check this email real quick. And your phone is right here, and you bust out your phone. Or you say, you know what, like, it's kind of too quiet, let me just turn on the TV so that there's some like, background sound, because it's just awkward for us to sit with ourselves, to sit in silence. And again, there doesn't have to be words. Actually, in this case, there, there shouldn't be any words. And how many times do you, do you like that your spouse or your kids are around you, even if they're silent? You know, you could your, your child could be sitting across the living room, but you, there's just some, something that you're, you're happy. You're just happy that, that they're present, even if they're not engaging in any conversation with you. Praying is praying in, in silence is simply being present. And St. Isaac the Syrian, he teaches us to just gaze at the cross. If I, if I have an icon or a cross at home, just sit where you have a clear view of it and just and just look at the cross, just gaze at the cross or at the icon. And if I don't have a, a cross or an icon, get one. Get one, because sometimes, you know, You'd be surprised how many times you could walk through your house and you could say, wow, I I really don't have, like, lots of crosses in my house. I really don't have any icons or pictures or spiritual things in my house. I have family pictures and I have, you know, things that match, like, the decor, you know, for my modern farmhouse style or whatever it is, you know. But the cross doesn't really mesh with that, with that design. We have to have those things because, we hang up, again, pictures of our families and the living and the dead. We gaze at them. We gaze at them, the ones that have departed from this world, and when we gaze at them, we start to think about all the amazing memories that we've had with that person, and all of the joy and the gladness that that person has brought into my life. The same thing is that if I don't have the cross or the icon, or an icon of the saints and and the Lord himself, how is it that when I walk around that I'll I'll be caught off guard and remember I... And say a quick prayer to gaze at the cross and to think about my own spiritual life. The next is the arrows, the arrow prayers, the gift of unceasing prayer. St. Paul, he says, Rejoice always, praying without ceasing in everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. When we think about unceasing prayer, we say this is sort of impossible. But the arrow prayer is a sort of gift to allow us to do that. It's sort of like these mantras that we have for ourselves. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, be with me. Lord, protect me. Lord, guide them. Lord, guide him or her. These quick quick prayers that that help us, not even just petitions, but in times of temptation, when, whenever we do, anything that we're tempted by, Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me, Lord Jesus Christ have mercy on me. Even if I have to say it a hundred times, believe me, it, it fights against evil so quickly. And they're not a monastic thing. It's necessary for all of us to have arrow prayers in, in our lives. And where do we find how Jesus loves these prayers? Or these, these very honest and innocent and just the sheer fact that when when i'm facing something that the first thing i want to do is just say just a quick prayer and how the lord looks at that in the gospel of luke chapter 18 also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others two men went up to the temple to pray one a pharisee the other a tax collector the pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself god i thank you that i am not like other men extortioners unjust adulterers And even as this tax collector, I fast twice a week, I get tithes of all I possess, and the tax collector, standing afar off, would not see so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. A good practice maybe for the, for, the, for the Jesus prayer or for the arrow prayers is even when I'm not in a, a certain mode of prayer, if you want to say that, that I'm constantly saying them. I'm constantly using arrow prayers. The more that they become part of me, the more that I use them as what they are intended for, to be weapons. The last one is meditation, and especially meditation with reading. Saint Isaac the Syrian he teaches that this is one of the greatest forms of prayer because our minds are totally focused on what we are reading. And it relieves our minds from the distractions of the world. Right? When, you, when you're reading something, unless you take a pause, you're reading and you're engaging with what it is that you're absorbing. And this is why that Saint Isaac he even said, he even refers to, to spiritual reading and meditation as, as even the most preferred way of us to pray. We read from the Bible, seeking the truth, meditating on the Scriptures, and we can find that if we look at, use the church as an example, that the church reads the same readings every Sunday, every year. It's a repeat. Not the same gospel reading every Sunday, but I mean every year, the the church reads the same gospel readings every year. But if you were to go online and you were to search the fourth Sunday of Anshir or whatever, you're going to find thousands, thousands of sermons and spiritual meditations on one sermon. It's like the ocean where on the surface you say, yeah, all the ocean, it all looks the same where you have, you know, it's blue or brown in some cities, but it's blue and it's uh, it's got waves and and whatnot. It looks the same. All books the Bible looks like a book, right? It has a cover, it has paper, it has words that are inside of it, but it's but it's like an ocean in which when you dig deep and you look down under the surface of the ocean, you'll find thousands of of, of uh, feet of of water and a new creation, things that would take life several lifetimes to explore and, and to find. The same thing is in, all, in spiritual reading in the gospel. Even if we're reading the same thing, and we're re- repeating the same gospels over a year, you know, it's like okay, I'm going to start from the book of you know Matthew. or start from the New Testament again, okay? And then you stop reading for six months, and you're like, I'm going to get back into the Bible. And then you end up starting at Saint Matthew again, right? So, but even if that were to be the case, we will always find something new and nourishing and deep in that meditation. Regardless of all of regardless of the prayers, God wants each of us to be genuine with Him. No, no need to find big words, and they're annoying anyway. He's not a boss, He's not our manager, He we're not trying to impress Him. And you yourselves would not You yourselves don't look for your child to find a way to impress you. You look for your child to just be with you and to just spend time with you. And so He, at the same time, is our Father. Isaac the Syrian. he says also, do not say anything before him with knowledge, but with a child's manner of thought. Draw near God, walk before him, and you may be counted worthy of that paternal providence that fathers have for their small children. During Lent, as we hopefully go further into prayer, um, let's not worry whether or not we find that God is responding to everything. In our own relationships among spouses and among the parents and their, and their children, sometimes we, we have conversation, make, trying to make a decision, and at some point we may say, you know what, this is just something that we're not going to deal with right now. And the same thing many times God, do, God does with us. It doesn't mean He's not listening, but He has abandoned us. But it is a relationship that both that both us and the Lord Himself cannot afford to lose. And this is why God makes access to Him so easy, much easier than we think through prayers. I heard something really nice, I don't know if any of you saw it, I heard that it was on TikTok recently, but I personally enjoyed it. Um, it's that the, the Hebrew name the Hebrew name of God, Yahweh, is the only word in the Hebrew language that doesn't have vowels, it's just consonants. And so it doesn't, if it's pronounced correctly, it doesn't allow your lips or your tongue to, to, to move. And so it's it's like breathing. And when God breathed in man, he breathed him. He breathed himself. When we were born and we took our first breath, the first thing we uttered was the name of God. The day that we depart from this world, the last thing that we do will be to utter the name of the Lord. So God gave, gave us that access, that in just life just living, that we are uttering the name of God. But we use prayer so that when we even are doing the basic thing of breathing and uttering God's name, that we are doing it with soul, body, mind, and spirit. May the blessing of the great past be a time of the to us
1: and worthy to God for
0: us.